Welcome, welcome my friends to the Beggars and Brawlies podcast. This is episode 25, recorded Wednesday the 4th of August, 2021, as I sit in a deliciously cool parking lot in Sydney, Montana. It has been so hot, and so when I wake up, it's in the 60s. That's amazing. Today, I answer the age-old question of how I come up with the names in my fantasy worlds, and then I ask you to do the same thing. So, names in fantasy are hard. You want them to have that fantastic feeling like this is some hero you want to follow, like a Conan or a Kaladin, but they also need to be understandable to the people who are reading the language that you're writing in. In our case, it's probably English. You don't want to have something that's so exotic that it just looks like a collection of letters with like some strange asterisks above it. Um, because it can be hard to remember who that is and hard to kind of visualize the story in your mind. So even though they're fantastic and exotic, they have to have that kind of like Englishable feeling to them. Um, and then on top of that, if you have designed the characters for your different nations or whatever you have in your world, the names kind of need to be consistent to have this feeling of being from a particular language set, even if we're also trying to make them fit into our English phonetic structure, if nothing else. So that's a lot of a lot of hoops to shoot your arrow through, um, and I struggled with it for a while, and uh, especially the last one, that consistency piece, until I came up with this method uh, that I now do, where I choose a language, any language, uh, <laughs> to be kind of the flavor language, um, and then when I need to name someone, I look for words from it, um, often words related to the character or the place or whatever, but translated into that language. And then I just kind of play with them until they feel like they're Englishable, whatever we want to call that, so that uh, they won't be such a stumbling block for readers when they find them. Like with the name Makina. Uh, she's one of my main characters in the Dragon Bard series. And I was just looking through the language that I had chosen, more on that in a second, um, and I found some words that I really liked that had kind of like a glancing reference to what I think of her character. So I found this word Mahina, which uh, means weak, actually. And this character, for how very strong and capable she is in a lot of ways, is also really weak in another way. So I like that as kind of like a, a secret background. And this is just like a nerdy thing that you can do that no one ever has to know about <laughs> when you pick these names because the, the phonetics end up changing. So I was playing with Mahina and thinking, well, we could call her Hina for short, and uh, flipping it around backwards, because I had this idea for a while with this one that I would take these words and then I would invert them. So I had Aniham and Amihan. I tried switching the, the N and the M around, and then uh, I switched that H for a K and came up with Makina. And something in that really appealed to me somehow. There's probably also a fourth aspect of this, which is just the gut of author feeling like this name fits character, even though there's no way that you can, you know, ever put into words why that is so. Um, so that's kind of the, that's the method in practice. The language that I used for that is Tagalog, and uh, there's, you know, every time that I write a book, it just seems like a reason comes up to use this language, or something about a language suggests itself. In this case, I was making a map for the ice continent that most of this first book, at least in the Dragon Bard series, takes place on. And uh, there are a bunch of calderas on it. So I was looking for calderas and thinking especially about really big calderas because you hear about how like, there are these massive asteroid impacts and also calderas like 
I drive past Yellowstone National Park all the time in the summer on my fruit route, and I'm told that the entire park basically is a caldera for this massive volcano that existed um, thousands or even millions of years ago. <laughs> I'm not sure on the time scale on that one. So I started looking at those massive calderas because I find that idea fascinating that a whole section like hundreds of miles could all be the crater of a volcano that, that once was. Um, and I found what I think is the biggest uh, outside the Philippines called Apolaki. And, or I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I thought the name was really cool. Apolaki, A-P-O-L-A-K-I. And the caldera was super cool too. It's buried underwater. Uh, I'll put a link to it in the liner notes so you can take a look. But I was really taken with that word as well as by the caldera. So I ended up using that shape to be the kind of outline for the continent that I designed for the setting for Dragon Bard. And I was so taken with the name that I don't think I'm going to use it whole cloth because it's not Apulaki Caldera that's on planet Earth. It's something else. But I loved the phonetics of it. So I decided that uh, I should look more into Tagalog. And the more that I looked into it, uh, the more that I really liked the way that a lot of the words sound. Um, and they're not that far from English. And there's this interesting Spanish influence in there um, that they, they don't need so much wordsmithing to make them like Englishable, as we're saying. And so that is the process that I've used to come up with most of my characters' first names, and then the last names are something entirely different in the English-based, Makina's Makina Stock Song. And uh, I'm not going to be a geek and tell you about all that, because there's a lot that goes into it. Hopefully you just think it's cool. But uh, yeah, there's a, there's a tribal naming system behind their last names. Ah, the geekery of world building. So I have liked the results for all of my characters, but uh, I was in kind of a hurry. As you know, I'm narrating this, this book. I'm dictating it into my phone as I drive, and I don't always have time to pause and look at the details because I'm trying to remember the story or what I've said so far in my head as I'm dictating it and driving, and normally I'd be able to look back and so I'll pause and like make a name when I need a name. And in this case, I just thought that I would forget what had happened in the chapter so far if I did that. So I just kind of said Caden, because Caden is a name that the voice dictation software will recognize, and it's very obviously not a name that I've chosen to be in-world. So it's kind of like a placeholder for whatever this other main character's actual name is going to be. But it's not a name that I particularly like for my characters. If your name is Caden, it's a nice name. <laughs> no shade, but uh, it's not the name that I want for this character, and I don't really feel like it fits him. So I came up with a few names, but I had trouble choosing between them. So I thought you know what, everything else in this is like crowdsourced. I've been asking about it. So uh, this week I've got a little bit of a poll for you on which name you want him to be, which might make more sense if you have read the chapter so far. The third one is available now. There'll be a link to that in the notes as well. So I think I'll read you that chapter. And then uh, this one is from the character who shall be named something other than Caden's point of view. So you'll have a good sense of the character maybe after you're done hearing the sample or reading the chapter. Um, and then you can uh, click that link in the notes and vote on which name you think is best. So I'll tell you the names as well afterwards. All right, so without further ado, here is a little bit of chapter three of The Dragon Bar. The bard chuckled. Guilty as charged, Caden wins anthem. Dirge, his mother corrected, like she always did. Wins dirge. Ah, excuse me, the bard said, and Caden marveled at the resonance in his voice, even after all these years. 
The man was sixty if he was a day, his silver beard only freckled with red, and still sounded like he was fresh from the Imperial Amphitheater. Caden colored, thinking of some of the things Yelius Noselilt had said of the bard's past. Always getting it wrong with you song tribes, the bard was saying, leading his dragon by touch rather than the harness most people used when traveling. You don't use a harness, Caden blurted out. Neither do I. The dragons don't like them, especially northern stock. The bard's dragon had the coppery scales of dragons raised near the coast. Don't use a lull either, to be honest, he said, clicking at his mare in countertime to the caldera's lull. Except when I'm sleeping. More fun that way, the bard winked. Caden's mother cleared her throat, frowning at them both. Well, if you'd like to come out of the cold, we have space for your mare and porridge if you've not eaten. I would appreciate it, the bard said, following her lead through the rimrock, his mare following him almost as naturally as Galesy did. Caden reached a hand out absently, running it across his dragon scales, the rings on his finger clicking against them. Amazing, isn't he, girl? A real-life legend. She flared her neck scales. Well, I think he's amazing. The rings were beginning to glow in the sky by the time they got the bard's mare settled and the guest room ready, amber evening light tracing the western rim of the caldera. They shared a beet stew in the central sitting room, Makina and the bard making light conversation on news from the old world, of the sugarcane harvest and royal house scandals and the season's new songs. They both got that faraway look in their eyes that older people and new settlers got, remembering a place he'd only ever heard of, a place of thawed ground and wild grass gardens that stretched in every direction. He would see it someday. And news more locally, Nikina asked, reclining against the woven backrest of her chair. What brings you this far south? She always asked that, even though there were plenty of calderas settled south of them now, like she wanted to believe they were on the edge of the world. The bard sighed, setting his bowl down on the table. You are loyal to the crown, yes? As any settler must be, his mother said in even tones. But perhaps more a family of the ice than the old world these days? Caden frowned. It was an odd question, and his mother seemed to be searching for words. Excuse me, the bard said. Not my place to pry. A song, maybe, for my supper. There's a new ballad from Poortown. A contender for the Continental Crown, if my ear is any judge. Caden would have scoffed at the idea of a Continental Crown, as if any songwriting competition on the ice could compare to the Imperial laurels the Old World awarded its best bards. Would have if Alamog's storm chant wasn't about to sing. He leaned forward instead. Here was a man who had won those imperial laurels, who had been the first to lull dragons with his songs, and he was going to sing. Okay, so that's a little bit of chapter three. You got a little piece of Caden's mind there. So the names that I'm thinking of for this character, because Caden is not one that I can tolerate long-term, just because he doesn't fit into the story. Uh, and these are all ones that I played with from Tagalog to get a name. Um, option number one is Telodia, T-E-L-O-D-Y-A, or maybe Telo for short, or Tel. Option number two is Akipag, or Aki for short. And option number three is Kantalo, or Khan, or even Talo for short. Um, and I have an option on the poll for you to suggest a name as well. I had somebody already say that she'd rather me just keep a Caden. <laughs> so if you feel like that, let me know. 
that would be a hard pill to swallow, but you know, if y'all are uh, in consensus on that one, I might have to swallow it. So in my own reading, I have cracked into The Gathering Storm by Brandon Sanderson and Robert Jordan. Uh, if you've been following me for a long time, you'll know that this is like the culmination of a mission I've been on for years and years during the summertime to read through the Wheel of Time series, starting from the eye of the world, because I had always wanted to read these Sanderson books, but as a younger man, I had left off reading the series around book eight, and trying to get into it after a couple decades away with book nine was just entirely confusing. So I decided to go back from the start, and I've learned a lot, and I've enjoyed the books, although I will say that that middle third or the last few books that Jordan wrote were a little rough, uh, for sure. They got a little bit meandering. So it's really a breath of fresh air to read these Sanderson ones because he like took this chaos that was Jordan's mind and these characters that were just kind of like flopping around and doing stuff that was cool, but I didn't have a sense it was going anywhere. And I'm really curious if Jordan had stayed alive, how many books this series would have gone out to be because I think it could have been a lot. But uh, Sanderson had this way of taking those characters and figuring out what's their core and then setting them on a path to conflict with that. Um, and the same thing with the different plot lines that were just kind of sprawling all over the place in the last few books that Jordan wrote. He gives them like a leanness and a, like a focus that's really amazing to read. And I feel like I'm learning a lot as a writer by reading them. Um, I'm not saying that Sanderson is a better writer than Jordan, but his, his style and his storytelling is a little bit more transparent. And that's really helpful for me as I think about telling stories. So I'm enjoying that a lot. It can be a big ask to read like a 1100 page novel in the summertime when I don't find that much time for reading. But you know, this is the kind of book that I'm just excited to go back to. And even if I only read a couple of pages, I love them. So yeah, to me, that's a sign of a good book is when I'm not reading it, I'm thinking about how pleasant it would be to read it. And you know what, if a book isn't doing that for you, just put it down. Even if it's mine, I will not blame you. Life is short. Um, but I'm doing my best to write the stories that will make you want to come back to them. So I hope you enjoyed The Dragon Bard. Let me know what you think about uh, the character who is not Caden's real name. And uh, I will have uh, another chapter for you next time, along with some other notes on life and writing. And uh, there's a link to that, that full chapter, this chapter three, in the notes that'll actually take you to all of the chapters if you want to start from the beginning. And it's a little bit of a crazy world out there. COVID's coming back. The West is on fire. It's super smoky where I drive through to get my fruit. I actually had to cancel a load because the orchard is almost on fire. They don't have power, etc. So it wasn't safe for us to get in there. So, you know, there are uncertain times, but I hope that in the middle of it, you're finding ways to stay well, reading some good books, and uh, just taking care of yourself because that is the number one, my friends. So that's your mission. Till next time. For more information on Levi Jacobs and his books, including the award-winning Tide Collar Chronicles, please visit www.levijacobs.com. Or for a free audiobook, only available to podcast listeners, go to www.levijacobs.com/free. Thanks for listening, and read on.